This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Cheesehead. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's Sparky Fiber, 1250 AM, The Fan, beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's been a while. We had off a week uh, last week. Uh, Ryan Horvath was on vacation. And to be honest, there was nothing really going on with the Packers. So instead of me doing it by myself, I was like, ah, I'll take a vacation from doing the Curry Long podcast as well. I did do the Green and Growing podcast with Nathan Marzi. I did uh, those podcasts last week. We took a week off from the Packers. We are back. Ryan Horvath is back from his vacation, rested, uh, and ready to rock and roll on BetMGM tonight uh, throughout the week this week. Uh, how was uh, your time off? You go. You went back home, didn't you? Was that your time off? Yeah, just went back. Ended up, well, just ended up going back home. It was all right. Uh Spoiler alert, saw Dave Matthews two more times, so now I'm up to 30. You're and, a groupie uh, is what you are. That was, pretty, that was pretty fun. Saw a bunch of family, saw a bunch of friends back home. I'm actually going to go uh, here next Saturday, actually. I'm going to go see him for uh, the 31st time. I'm going to bring my son this time, though. Only At because- what point do you reach stalker level, Horvath? That's what I'd like to know. What point are you officially a stalker? I mean, you got to be getting close. Well, the problem is, like, so I didn't go to T Swift, and there's no other there's no other shows that I really want to see coming up this summer. It's just Dave Matthews, so just got to continue to go see him. I'm a big Radiohead fan, but they only tour every once in a while. I'm not a stalker, like I said. It had been almost a decade since I'd seen him last, but I had such a good time, and he's in all these great locations. He was about 40 minutes away from my house in Maryland, and then uh, you got to go to Northerly or geez, Northerly. Island, as you can I tell. I thought you said before. Ireland for a second. I was like, you, you know what? To Ireland to see this dude? <laughs> when I told my wife that that's where I was going to head, she was like, Ireland, huh? That would have been a hell of a show. But no, 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 just Chicago. But uh, right on the right on the water, it was a good time. Really? I've never heard of that. I mean, I've been to, what is it, Tinley Park? I've seen, I saw Rascal Flats at Tinley Park and Cheryl Crow. And who was the other one there? I don't know. They were all a part of one, one ticket. So I've been to Tinley yeah. Park and seen a show there. I never heard of this other place you're talking about, though. My first concert ever was actually in Tinley Park. I went and saw the Spin Doctors, the Gin yeah. Blossoms, and Cracker. It was all one show. My aunt took me. It was a good time, actually. That was the first concert I ever attended. I was like eight years old, so I figured my son, he's nine years old, uh, this will be a good one. Although this, this won't be his first concert. This will just be his first Dave concert. We took him to see the Chili Peppers. Is, is he one of those kids that loves everything that dad loves, or is he one of those kids that kind of goes against dad and everything? No, I mean, like, he likes certain things. I'll tell you this. Like, if it involves... We'll get to the Packers, by the way. This is a Ryan Horvath update. Sorry. If it involves involves us spending money, then he's all in. Like, he won't sit and watch an entire baseball game, but he'll go to a baseball game and have a good time. 
Uh, he doesn't like root against the teams I like. Like he's into the Packers. Uh, nice. Unfortunately, he is into the Cubs. Uh, I told That's him when we were in Milwaukee. Well, I told him when we were in Milwaukee. I said you could root for the Brewers or you could root for the Cubs, and he chose to go with us. So I think if anything, he he likes the same things that I like. But uh, yeah, the, the toughest thing to get him into right now is baseball. Like into actually watching the game at home, and I and I don't blame him. But at the same time, I think it's better than ever. And the games have been flying by this season. They're all like two hours yeah. and twenty minutes. You know. I think a lot of young stars coming up uh, through uh, the major leagues right now, too. Just look at the Reds. Uh, okay, yeah. let's uh, talk about the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so uh, I, I want to get into this. Jacob Westendorf, who, who's been on this podcast uh, before, uh, got a little bit of, I'd say it's a pretty big promotion, going to work uh, with uh, Bill Huber over uh, at SI.com uh, and writing uh, just simply covering Packers, him and Bill Huber. Uh, and one of his first pieces, Five Reasons to Believe in the 2023 Packers and again very very happy for Jacob Westendorf uh so let's let's go through these and see if Ryan Horvath who uh I don't know if you've been overly optimistic or overly pessimistic I feel like there's been shows where you've been a little negative and then there's been shows where you've been a little positive so I'd like to say you kind of played it right down the middle for the most part if we combine everything I don't think you've really fallen on one side of the fence or the other the Rodgers not being here thing obviously irritates you but outside of that I think you've been fairly positive right yeah, I mean, I didn't really have – I was a little worried about this team coming into the year last season. I mean, uh, you know, I liked the defense. I thought I liked the defense. Uh, but losing Devontae, trading him away, I thought was just going to be a huge loss and then replacing him with the corpse of Sammy Watkins and a bunch of rookies who I knew Rodgers wasn't going to trust until week eight. You know, I wasn't really enthused last season. This season, you know, it's kind of the same, although at least last year you had Rodgers. You had what we thought was going to be a top-10 defense. This year, like – it's tough to get too excited, I guess, just because there's no Super Bowl expectations, right. in my opinion. Agreed. But also, you know, there's the great unknown. Is Jordan Love any good? Is Matt LaFleur any good? So I'm kind of excited. It was time for a new era. It was time for Rodgers to move on. You know, it's like when two people just fall out of love and they're just staying together for the kids and then the kids go away maybe to college and it's time for them to go their separate ways. That was Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, and so – you know, I'm excited. I don't know how optimistic I am for their playoff chances or Super Bowl uh, chances, but I can't wait to see what this looks like and if Jordan loves the guy or not. I agree. All right, so here are the, here's what he's got down here. Elite ground game uh, is one of them. Uh, Jones has averaged 5.1 yards per carry since entering the NFL in 2017, ran for more than 1,100 yards last season, caught an additional 59 uh, passes. Uh, some of the best Packers games have come under LeFleur, have caught when Jones was the focal point uh, of uh, the offense. Uh, do you think this is one of the reasons to believe in the Packers with him and A.J. Dillon in the backfield? Yeah, I think so, because like the LaFleur offense was always supposed to be this offense where, you know, both guys were going to get 12 to 15 carries. Now it would be, you know, impossible to get them both 20 touches per game. Maybe this season you're able to get them closer to that number, but I am optimistic about that. The only thing that concerns me a little bit is the play calling. Like, you know, maybe now that Rodgers is gone – we see more Aaron Jones, but how many times last season, you know, was it that, or the season before really, where Aaron Jones would have four, would have four or five touches only going into the half. And then, you know, Matt LaFleur would be held the box score or handed the box score after the game. He'd see he only had eight to 10 touches. He'd blame it on himself. Uh, so as long as Aaron Jones actually touches the football, I think there's reason to be optimistic and be excited with AJ Dillon. This is a huge year, man. This is like a make it or break it season for AJ Dillon. So I'm excited, but also, I mean, you know how I feel about A.J. Dillon. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the pick in the second round, to be honest. But, yeah, I, I think that if both guys, like, 
actually get to touch the football enough if the offensive line stays healthy? I think that's one reason for sure. You know, that's the thing, though. We talk about Jones and Dylan, and everybody obviously wants to talk about Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones essentially took a pay cut to stay here for one year, right? And now you see guys that are sitting out there like Dalvin Cook, who still doesn't have a deal, and he's probably going to go to Miami or New England or wherever, but he's not going to get the money he thought he was going to get. He played hardball with Minnesota. He probably could have stayed in Minnesota had he agreed to take a pay cut. He wouldn't be out there looking for a job right now, but he overplayed his hand. Aaron Jones was smart enough to realize, dude, I'm not going to get $10 million on the open market if I go out there. There's no way. So fine, yeah, I'll take a pay cut. I'll stay here and play and put myself in a position in this offense to still put up big numbers, obviously going forward. But in this offense, which we don't really know yet, to be honest with you, but in this offense, are they more important than they are in, say, Kansas City or some of these other offenses as far as the running back position goes when you don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback, you have young dudes at wide receiver and tight end. I mean, just more of the weight of the world kind of fall on those two doing a really, really good job and what they do more so than maybe other offenses at this point. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, I think the other thing is like just the way that they use Aaron Jones or have used them the last couple years. I mean, you know, he's one of their better route runners and pass catchers. He needs to stop fumbling in big moments. Yes. Um, but that's the other thing is, you know, they just they have different skill sets where Aaron Jones is your speed back. You know, even though he's getting a little bit older, he really hasn't lost uh, you know, how explosive he is yet. And then A.J. Dillon's supposed to be this power back. But nobody knew how good of a pass catcher he was because at Boston College, they just never threw him the ball out of the backfield. But, you know, um, I think they're way more important, like you said, with a young quarterback, man, especially because that'll open things up down the field. You have a guy like Christian Watson who you can move all around the field, your speed guy. We'll see. I think Romeo Dobbs is going to be wide receiver number one. I worry about Christian Watson staying healthy, and I'm really excited about Jaden Reed as another deep threat. But when you're able to open up those guys down the field with a solid run game, yeah, I think that they're way more important. I think like this backfield and then the backfield in Atlanta, probably the most important in the NFC, right? Because we still have no idea what the hell Desmond Ritter is. Yep. But you would expect Bijan Robinson to be the real deal since they used the top 10 pick, top five pick on him. And they have less at wide receiver and tight end than the Packers do. I mean, Kyle Pitts, but they didn't really use Pitts last year like they should have. Yeah, I like Drake London and I like Kyle Pitts, but I don't know if he's this red zone threat that we ever think he's going to be. You know, maybe it's just because he's never really had a quarterback. Like he's had Marcus Mariota and Matt Ryan towards the end of his career, right? Like, that's really it. And so maybe this is the year finally, but I could tell you because I've owned him in fantasy football the last three years. I was but look at Julio Jones. He never had the touchdowns he should have had in his career either. That was, that was always the same thing, right? Even when he stayed healthy, you know, he's this big 6'5", 250-pound beast, and they can never get him the ball in the red zone. It never made any sense. Yep. And yet we would still draft him every single year in fantasy. Absolutely. But, but yeah, I would say that that's probably, if not the most important backfield, it's probably the second in the NFC at least. No doubt. Uh, second one here from Jacob Westendorf. Health of the offensive line. Uh, and I think that's key. And he goes back to the MVP season of 2000, 
uh, in 14. Bakhtiari, Sidden, Corey Lindsley, TJ Lang, and Brian Bulaga started 15 of 16 games together that season, with only Bulaga missing the same. Obviously, last year uh, was a much, much different story with the entire uh, rigmarole of changing the offensive line as guys couldn't stay healthy. But if you look at this offensive line right now, and let's go over it, right? So Bakhtiari, left tackle, Jenkins uh, at left guard. We still think it's Myers at center, even though I think that could change. I'm not convinced considering they're trying everybody at center, it sounds like, in training camp. So that's who goes there. Uh, Tunyon's at right guard, and for the time being, Yash is at right tackle. So that's your starting five, I think. And then Zach Tom, where does he fit in? Does he end up becoming the starting center? Does he end up – you know, playing guard or right tackle, we'll have to wait and see. But those six, I think, are the ones in play. If healthy, how good is this line, Ryan Horvath? I mean, I think that it's one of the better offensive lines, if healthy, just because you have two all pros, right? You have Elton Jenkins, uh, who, I mean, yeah, he wasn't an, he wasn't himself last year, but we didn't really expect him to be himself last year. Coming he got off- better once they moved him to guard, back to guard from tackle, though. Right. Once he went back to his natural position. Also, though, like how much of that had to do with he also just got healthier. I mean, like it's not only a big dude coming off a big knee injury, but it's also he's got to get himself back into playing shape, you know, after pretty much sitting on his ass for like six to seven months. I agree. More than that, actually. Yeah, about that time frame. Uh, and then Bakhtiari. I mean, the problem with Bakhtiari is, man, when he's on the field, he's still one of the better tackles in the entire league. But the problem is, is he going to be able to complete four quarters every single week? Because uh, he still hasn't proven that he's been able to do that. Towards the end of the season, yeah. Also, how motivated is he this season to play with this team? You know, I, like every time I go on social media, it's him talking about politics yeah. or him and Rogers going back and forth. I just hope that he wants to be part of this uh, rebuild or rebuild on the fly, whatever you want to call it. But, man, I'm super excited about the offensive line. My only concern, same concern I've had really since Corey Lindsley's left, is the center position, and that's, which is why I always wanted Corey Lindsley to come back. But again, like they made the right decision, like they always do, uh, not signing those guys to that last deal, those <laughs> offensive linemen. Yeah, no doubt. And again, I don't think they're necessarily convinced Myers is the guy either. When everybody that gets brought up that's not starting gets sold, oh, we're gonna try you at center. Oh, we're gonna try you at center. And I'm Myers. I'm like, this is not good for me because everybody in this lot in this locker room that's not a starter, they're trying at my position. This is not good. So I hope he plays well in training camp, holds them off, is able to hold on to that starting job. But I think they really want Zach Tom to start. Uh, so we'll see how that all goes. Okay, so number three on this list, Christian Watson uh, is the other one. And you already talked about earlier about his ability to stay healthy. But is it? Maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like when we talk about pressure on the running backs to go do their job really well, I feel like there's – pressure on Christian Watson to be the true number one wide receiver in this offense and be the big playmaking wide receiver that they have to have in order for this thing to work. He's not Devontae Adams, but they need somebody to kind of blow the top off a little bit and be a threat to try and roll coverage to him at some point during the course of next year. Yeah, I want to see them, you know, use them different ways as well. Like use them on the end around, move them around a little bit, use them in the slot, use them on the outside because, I mean, you know, he's big, he's tall, but he's obviously explosive. He's got to stay healthy. Uh, but I think in a perfect world, you know, Romeo Dobbs is your possession wide receiver. He's the 100 reception guy. You know, he's yep. kind of like the Wes Welker. Uh, and then you have Christian Watson's kind of like the Randy Moss guy that could take the top off the defense. You know, I just think that it would probably be impossible for him to be like, 
115, 120 reception guy just because he's probably going to get so much attempt, so much attention. But man, like if Dobbs could be your underneath guy, you know, and you also have Reed, and then you have these tight ends. Like we don't know who's going to take over that room, but you have Deguara, and then you have the two rookies. Um, so I'm really excited about Watson and what he could possibly be. I mean, we have no idea what his ceiling is. Uh, he's just got to stay healthy. That's the only thing. And because, I mean, realist- yeah. realistically, I mean, you know more about Reed. Obviously, I mean, I've seen him play against the Badgers, but yeah, Reed is probably not that guy. Dobbs is probably not that guy. They're both probably really good twos uh, or threes to a dominant one. And that's why I feel like there's more pressure on Watson, because I don't feel like there's pressure on either one of those other two guys to go be the guy. But I feel like everybody's looking at Watson, expecting him to be the guy. And if he's not, if he gets a case of the drops or whatever or can't stay healthy, that really, I think, screws up things for how – Matt LaFleur probably envisions this offense playing going forward. Yeah. I mean, exactly. See, here, here's the thing. I mean, like the, the good thing about that wide receiver room is we have no idea who the guy is because the first eight weeks of the season, we thought it was Romeo Dobbs. Right. And then Christian Watson. I mean, especially if you were a fantasy owner, I mean, I had him on my team and he was sitting on my bench and then it was, I was getting all these offers for him and he looked like, one of the better not I'm not talking like rookies and I mean that's a stacked rookie class because you had Garrett Wilson you have Chris Olave who might even be better than Garrett Wilson to be honest with you uh we still have no idea how good Jamison Williams is going to be if he ever gets on the field but man I mean uh the ceiling for Christian Watson is so high and but again like we don't know because Romeo Dobbs really looked like he was that dude the first like six yep. I'll say like the first like three four weeks of the season because like you said man Chris Christian Watson had that huge drop first play of the season and then Dobbs looked like he was going to be the guy but then he was in Rogers doghouse so I felt like he just lost a lot of confidence you know what I'm saying but maybe now with Jordan Love and they seem to have a great relationship you know maybe he'll uh he'll find his groove back so that's what I'm excited about in this room like we have no idea like we have no idea about any of these guys this one here I I completely 1000% disagree with Jacob Westendorf um, because the, the next one is talented defense Okay, so let's have the conversation. Are they really a talented defense? Let's just really talk about this for a second. You have two unproven guys that we don't know of. They have only played one year in Wyden Walker. I think Walker could be a beast, but either way, it's only one year, and neither one were real beastly necessarily. Flashes, yes. Beastly, no. Uh, Jai Alexander, that's not debatable. He's a stud. Okay, fine, got you. Kenny Clark, I don't know, man. Been kind of inconsistent to me the last couple of years. I, I don't know if we can go where he was three, four years ago uh, necessarily with how he's played. Uh, and then who after that? Rajul Douglas? No. The safeties? Absolutely not. Uh, Devondre Gamble had a year where he was all pro. And after that, I said, okay, well, don't think that's probably going to happen again. And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But I, I'm not sure that's the guy. And there's nobody else in the defensive line. So – I feel like we all want to say, oh, it's so talented because we drafted Stokes in the first round and we drafted this guy, we drafted that guy. Yeah, and then we all want to blame the defensive coordinator because it doesn't work out. We have all these first-round picks invested. Maybe the first-round picks just aren't as good as we all thought they were to begin with. You know, I'll actually stick up for the defense, even though it was a dumpster fire last year, and I'll just say this. Like, I think that what he's saying is, again, the ceiling's pretty high for this defense still just because – Look at all the first-round picks that you spent on this defense. Yes. You have Jair Alexander, who 
when right. And again, we got to remember, like a lot of these guys, some of these guys, I should say, were coming off of injuries. Uh, Stokes is going to be coming off an injury, hopefully. You know, he'll be all right. I saw he played in the softball game, right? So he should but be But he out. didn't play well his second year. He, his you know, best year was his rookie year. Right. Like nobody was really playing well, to be honest with you. I think Jair will have a bounce back year. Kenny Clark, we'll see. You know, but if he plays, uh, you know, up to his pay grade, if he plays the way that he's being paid, I mean, he sh- he's being, you know, he's one of the better, uh, you know, defensive linemen in the sure. league. We'll see what Van Ness is. Nah. I didn't love the pick, but, you know, I mean, they're going to be able to move him around, use him different ways. Uh, if Rashawn Gary comes back and is the same player, I'm really excited about Rashawn him. Gary, I forgot about. You're right. So Rashawn Gary and Jair Alexander, those are the true, two true studs of this defense. But, again, we don't know how long Gary's going to be out either. So, Well, that's the thing, man. Like Rashawn Gary, I mean, he's the best player on this defense, but he's got to be healthy. Yep. No, I totally agree. So let me ask you this. If the Packers draft – First round offensive players for the next four years. Are we going to call it a talented offense automatically because you draft first round picks into that offense? Or do you actually have to see the talent actually play out before we say it's a talented offense? Because I feel like what's happening is, well, they wasted a number, a lot of first round picks and it's not working, but they're really talented, but it's on Joe Barry. And he says Joe Barry's coaching for his job. You and I both agree. I said, if it's a crap defense after the first five weeks, fire his butt. Go get uh, uh, Leslie Frazier. Make him the defensive coordinator for the rest of the year and move on. But this whole using the word talented, I think, is what drives me crazy. Because I don't know if I'm really convinced that they're all that talented outside of Rashawn Gary and Jair Alexander. I mean, they played much better the final five weeks of the season. Granted, you know, look at the quarterbacks they were facing. It was Kirk Cousins at Lambeau Field yep. and a crappy weather day. Crappy weather game. Uh, you know, you had Baker Mayfield. Uh, you had who, who just else? got to his team, Justin Fields. I mean, then, you know, Jared Goff didn't really do anything too crazy to beat him. I mean, but you go back like the year before that, like the defense played good enough to beat San Francisco in the playoffs. The offense just didn't do their job. And uh, I, I think the pieces are there. But again, I'm not a big Joe Barry fan, but who knows, man? Like you said, he's coaching for his job. If these guys could play, uh, you know, the way that we thought that they were last year going into the season, maybe they'll be all right. I, I don't know. Though. <laughs> now, the other one he brings up, his fifth one of why to believe in the Packers from Jacob Webstendorf, SI.com, is Keyshawn Nixon. I ask you, was that lightning in a bottle with Keyshawn Nixon last year, or is this something to really believe in going forward? Mm, it's a tough question, man, just because, I mean, if, if – if he's the real deal, that's huge, especially with a young quarterback. You got to get the, you know, you got to hopefully you got a solid kicker going into the season. But if you're able to flip the field like that, I mean, look how big that was for the offense when you had a Hall of Fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. Now think of how much bigger that would be when you have a young quarterback. You have, you know, these two stud running backs and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. So hopefully he's the real deal. I have to kind of see it to believe it, but I'm excited about it. Because, man, like that's the reason they were playing so well the second half of the season and should have snuck into the playoffs. Uh, but, man, I mean, it's – I got to see it to believe it. Just because, like, when's the last time you were that excited to watch a guy return kicks, return punts? Devin Hester? Uh, yeah, he compared – he brings up Devin Hester. And, Jacob Wessendorf is in, in that piece, yes. Yeah. I mean, guys – I mean, we'll see. T- I mean, teams for some reason last season – I mean, you could try to kick away from them, obviously. Um, but – yeah, man, if he's able to do that again, that's going to be huge for this offense. 
You know, especially no if the defense actually going back to that last question, especially if the defense actually like they don't have to be a top five, top ten. Well, I'll say they have to be like a top ten, top fifteen defense if this is going to be a playoff team that wants to win a playoff game. But I think they could win like nine to ten games being a top fifteen, top twenty defense if they have a really good offense. We got to wait and see though. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so uh, the next topic I want to get into is salary cap situation. Bill Huber wrote a piece. Uh, off of this, uh, and that was coming off of a piece from Pro Football Focus uh, that was written uh, analyzing all the team's different salary cap situations over uh, a three-year period by Brad Spielberger uh, and from Pro Football Focus and OverTheCap.com. Uh, the Packers rank 22nd. What's worse in the NFC North, the Bears are fourth, Lions fifth, and the Vikings sixth. Uh, and as Spielberg uh, explains, it's not all necessarily all bad because of what's going on. Uh, so here's some of what was written here. Top uh, total prorated money is the amount of guaranteed bonus money on the cap over the next three years. As Spielberg puts it in his story, these amounts are truly sunk costs on the cap because they can't be changed via releases or restructures. That money becomes truly problematic in cases like Rodgers, who counts $40.31 million against this year's cap, and safety Adrian Amos, who counts $7.95 million against this year's cap, even while both will be playing for the Jets. After a few years of kicking the cap down the road to contract restructures, the Packers rank 27th in that category at this point. So you put all these figures together. Packers cap outlook for the 2023 through 2025 season ranks 22nd uh, in the National Football League at this point. Now, when Rodgers comes completely off the books for next offseason, the Packers will be have $20.7 million of available cap space for 2024. $20 million is pretty good. You might be able to do something with that if you don't sign guys to extensions, obviously. And the Packers move on from David Bakhtiari which I think you and I both believe they will after this year. That yeah. That's another $21.5 million off the books, and that would move them up to 17, 17th uh, in the league as far as salary cap space goes. So quickly here, that means, if I'm doing my math right, $42 million in available cap space then if they move on from Bakhtiari in the offseason plus Rodgers' number comes off the book as well. Uh, as he puts it here, Spielberger, quote, Green Bay got out ahead of the inevitable post-Rogers rebuild, saving themselves over $100 million in 23-24, clearing significant cap space through 25. The Packers can now continue to extend core players like Rashawn Gary and others while keeping Jordan Love on a cheap contract for the next two seasons because they signed him yeah. to that one-year extension. Was kicking the can down the road the last three years, now knowing how this all played out, was it still the right move by Brian Gutekunst doing what he did? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they won 13 games, three consecutive seasons. They were in the NFC title game. They probably should have beat Tampa Bay. Uh, if you go back and you watch that game, uh, you know, and Kevin King isn't just an absolute disaster and they get the right calls. I mean, I hate to be that guy, but I mean, Tampa's corners were holding all game and then they call Kevin King on the same thing in the biggest moment of the game. Then again, Rodgers didn't do anything with the football like when the yep. defense gave it to him three times in the second half. But, no, I think that was the right decision, man, because, you know, I mean, if you have a Tom Brady, you have an Aaron Rodgers, you have to go all in. That's what we ask as fans. You know, we would, you know, complain if uh, they didn't go but all Ryan, in. Odell Beckham Jr. at the trade deadline. Time out. What you to do, man? What? Time out. What? I think if you took a poll on Twitter, do you think Brian Gutekunst went all in for Aaron Rodgers? How many people do you think say yes? I mean, I'm the biggest, I guess you could call me a goot hater and Rogers apologist there is. Sure. And I do think that they, I don't know, man. I mean, you, uh, they could have traded up for Justin Jefferson. 
But could they have? I don't know, man. They could have drafted T. Higgins, I know, over Jordan Love. Yes. I'm going to say... I'm going to say they didn't go all in for Aaron Rodgers, but I do think Goot went all in for the Green Bay Packers. You know, I don't think that they – I think that he looked at how Ted drafted his receivers, and let's be honest, like they hit on most of those guys. Christian Watson looks to be really good. We think Dobbs is going to be a solid player. Devontae was a solid player. Jordy, Greg Jennings, all these guys, none of those guys were first-round picks. Um, so, you, could, you know, you could say there's the draft thing, but, I mean – he went all in for bringing back Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas. You know, like they off they wanted to bring in Odell Beckham Jr. He chose to go play with the Rams. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's the problem. Like we don't really know. It's easy to just complain because the result was they didn't win another Super Bowl for Rodgers. But you know, every year around the trade deadline, it would be oh, it's down to Odell Beckham or it's down. To, I'm sorry, the Packers and the Rams. You know, and it, I'm just using his name, but it was you know. I don't know. I'd say he went all in to win a Super Bowl. I don't know if he went all in for Rodgers, though. I think he made the right decision, uh, at least trying to win, though, with a Hall of Fame, All-Pro, MVP quarterback. So, and now, I don't even think they're in that bad of a position, to be honest, man. And I do think they move on from Bakhtiari because that's what the Packers always do with offensive linemen, whether it's Josh Sitton, TJ Lang. Bakhtiari is going to be another year older. I know this is kind of a different situation because he's not going to be a free agent, but you know, or who knows, man, maybe this team wins 11 games and maybe then you want Bakhtiari back. Maybe he's having fun. He's rejuvenated. He's healthy. You know, he's one of the better tackles in the league and they're winning with him. and you want to protect your young quarterback. Jordan Love looks good. They build a relationship. Jordan Love's like, I don't want Bach going anywhere. I think that there's just like so much unknown that it's tough to predict going into the season because we have no idea. Jordan Love could be Patrick Mahomes. Jordan Love could be Joey Harrington. Thanks. That was well. You didn't need to drop Joey Harrington for God's sakes. I was trying hey, to think I, of a disaster. Yeah, th- this is the thing though. So Bakhtiari, we get to next offseason, right? And then it's trade Bakhtiari, release Bakhtiari, whatever you're going to do with Bakhtiari. But it's going to be before the draft because in the National Football League, the free agency and the trade market and all that opens up the league year opens up prior to the draft by what a month and a half prior to the draft or whatever it is. So you're not going to have or you're not going to know. Is there going to be a left tackle that's going to get to you in the first round if you let Bakhtiari go? Now, you're going to have 40 some million in cap space. So then the, the decision is by Goot is, okay, can Zach Tom play left tackle? Do we try Yash at left tackle? Can Elton Jenkins play left tackle? Do I think I can get convinced somebody to come play with Jordan Love that's a premier left tackle that I want to pay money to? And if that is that guy even out there? Because face facts, if you're a premier left tackle and you're in your 20s, you're not being let go by your team. They're going to franchise tag you. They're not letting you ever hit the open market. So odds are whoever is out there more than likely is an older player towards the end of their career that you're going to use as a stopgap until you can find the next premier left tackle to a quarterback going into his second year as a starter. I mean, that is a huge roll of the dice if you decide to move on from David Bakhtiari. That's why every year teams like Super Bowl contending teams, playoff contending teams are calling up these like 35, 36-year-old retired left tackles. Yes. You know, just to see if they want to come back and play. So that's the thing, though. Like, if this is just a full rebuild, you know, Jordan Love doesn't look very good. The defense is still a disaster. Joe Barry gets fired. You're you're on, like, then all of a sudden, LaFleur's maybe coaching for his job next year and on the hot seat, which is crazy. Because, again, he's coached in two NFC championship games. You know, last year was his worst season, and he still won. You know, he won seven games, but he won 13 games three consecutive years. But he'll be on the hot seat. Maybe not just because it's Green Bay, you know, and and that's Goot's guy. 
and or you know, so so maybe he won't be on the hot seat. But um, yeah, I mean that's a good point. Like, who else? Who else are you going to draft that's any better? Or who else are you going to find that's any better? Well, so. I mean, unless you're top five, if you're top five in the draft, then I feel confident that maybe you can get left yeah. tackle. And I don't even know what the mock, what the draft looks like next year. I know the quarterbacks at the top. We know Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. We know those guys are probably the top three. May, Caleb Williams, and Harrison Jr. more than likely are three of the top five, maybe the top three. Uh, but after that, as far as how many good left tackles are in next year's draft, couldn't tell you. I have no you know idea. Actually, let me take back everything I said because I'm going back to what I've been saying the last three months here since we've been – doing the podcast, you know, during, uh, after the season, since they've officially moved on from Aaron Rodgers, if it's a disaster and you have a top three pick, I don't want a left tackle to replace David Bakhtiari. Right, quarterback. Let Bakhtiari go. I want Caleb Williams or Drake may like, if this doesn't look good, I know it's year one for Jordan love, but dude, it's not year one for Jordan. Love. <coughs> you know what I mean? Like, year well, one how they lose, though. I saw somebody say that they're going to give Jordan love a free pass for this season because Aaron Rodgers only won six games his first year in green Bay. That's not, that's yeah. Rodgers won six games because the defense stunk, but and he, he had better in wide receivers, which touchdown passes, doesn't have 28 touchdown passes, 12 picks and 4,000 yards. I believe But he was in a much better situation, Ryan. He was in a much better situation. He had veteran wide receivers. He doesn't have what he's got to work with here. He was never set up with this situation until sure. last year with the inexperience he's the got. Numbers, I don't need 28 touchdown passes, 12 picks. I need I can't have that final year at Utah State, man. I can't No, have no, no, no. But what I'm saying is picks. Right, that but let's say let's million. say the Packers defense gives up 27 points a game. Yeah. Right. And he throws for 3,500 yards and they have five or six wins because their defense is getting slaughtered. But he throws up good numbers. Well, I, I agree with you. I don't think left tackle either. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. If I can get Marvin Harrison Jr., I think yeah. the stud wide receiver give up more help. The hell with the defense. I'm just gonna draft more offense at that point. But yeah, yeah man. Like if you have a top pick, you gotta go offense next year. I, yeah. I completely agree. Ryan Horvath, C Spark, you fly for BetMGM tonight with Ryan Horvath. Check him out Wheat Nights, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashu. And uh, you can check me out, 1250 amthefan.com as well. as the Green and Growing Podcast, Talking Bucks. Download on your Odyssey app, or if you download your favorite podcast, check it out on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page as well. Ryan Horvath, I thank you, my friend. You enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you.